podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You're listening to the Voices of the Vic podcast with Ben Ayton and Mike Duffy. Good morning. Welcome to the Voices of the Vic podcast with me, Mike Duffy and Ben Aitzen. We hope you're well this Sunday as we record, whatever day you choose to listen to. Uh, as mentioned, I am here, as always, with Mr Ben Aitzen. Ben, we're only four days into the lockdown as we record this on Sunday. How's lock point, uh, lockdown 2.0 treating you? Good morning, mate. Um, yes, it's not too bad, I guess. Um, I'm still working full time because I work for a food company, so we're, my company's still out delivering, so I'm required to go into the office still. So that that helps me out mentally. Um, but yeah, it's just trying to get my partner out. Like she's stuck all, in all day with a baby all, all the time, so we're just trying to go out for long walks because there's not much, really much else to do at the moment, is there? No, that's it. I mean, you go out in the streets and certainly where I live, I popped down to the post office yesterday and it, it's as if lockdown doesn't exist. It was absolutely oh, chucker out, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely chucker. But uh, hopefully um, we can all be on our best behaviour and be out by December, although I won't hold my breath. But uh, yeah, It'd be no. nice to see our family over Christmas, wouldn't it? <laughs> absolutely, mate, absolutely. Uh, but I'm glad you're doing very well. Um, for myself, I've started back up running again. I thought might as well if there's another lockdown looming. Um, get the old running, tr- uh, running trainers out, start running again. Um, getting the old health kick for, the, for my sins. So yeah, it's, um, I'm aching a bit today. Partook in my first 5k for over two months yesterday, so that was uh, interesting to say the least. But um, good effort, yeah. No, thank you. Uh, as always, you know, uh, let, let's talk some football, Benny. It, it was another 3 2 win. We, we talked about uh, earlier in the season how we kept winning 1 0, and it seems at the moment, I know it's only been two times, but it seems at the moment 3 2 is the new win. That's a new that's a new scoreline to uh, to be winning by for Watford. Um, another game home game where we've scored three, and like I say, back to back three two home wins. Um, so let's start right at the beginning with the team selection. Now there was three changes. Um, those three changes were William Trooster Kong, James Garner, and Andre Gray coming in for Ben Wilmot, Nathaniel Chalabar, and João Pedro. Now, when you looked at that starting eleven. Um, what was your what was your overall thoughts? Were you happy with that? Obviously, we we have to factor in rotation because it's it's a, it's a tough old fixture list congestion wise for, uh, for for every team, I suppose. But what what were your general thoughts looking at that starting lineup yesterday, Ben? Uh, it's a shame there was no Will Hughes in the side. Um, uh, Hive Live touched upon it, saying that he picked up a minor knock in training. That's why he was yeah. he wasn't in the matchday squad. But we was kind of hoping that we was going to see more of him. Um, of the game yesterday against Coventry, which unfortunately we didn't. I uh, was expecting Kiko to be rested as well because he's played a lot of games lately. Yes. Um, also, I was kind of expecting Cathcart to come out of the side. Um, I think his performances lately are being a bit below par. Uh, it's he, he deserves a rest. I think he's um, featured in all 11 Watford League games this season, starting 10 
and coming off the bench for one as well. And now he heads into the international break. So I thought he kind of needed a rest yesterday. And his performance kind of showed me that he did need a rest as well. Um, but I was excited to see James Garner play. Um, always excited to see him play. He's a very talented youngster. And he took his chance yesterday and I thought he was superb. Yeah, well, there's a couple of names that you touched on just there, which we're obviously going to touch on in more detail later on in the show. But um, interesting you say about Cathcart. You know, there's there's a lot made at the moment of, on Watford's Twitter, um, whereby a lot of people don't think that Ben Wilmot's been up to scratch. Uh, now, we've got to understand that last season was his first full season in the Championship, obviously, with that loan spell at Swansea. So this is his second full season in the Championship. I think people are expecting too much of him. He had a great season last season. He's not going to be, you know, top dog um, week in, week out. He's going to have off days. But interesting point you make about Kafkar. He has obviously played a lot of games. And then he's going into, arguably, a, a massive game for Northern Ireland um, in the international break. You know, I think they've got a, a playoff against Slovakia to qualify for the Euros. So, you know, no doubt he'll take part in, in that game. Um, so it, it's... It was very surprising to see it was Wilmot that sort of had to sacrifice his place as opposed to Cathcart. And yeah, with the Will Hughes stuff as well, gutted that he's picked up a minor injury. Hopefully it really is minor, but at least he's got the international break to uh, to to sort of let himself rest up and, and get back fit. Was was you about to say something then, Ben? I was just going to say about Wilmot. I feel like he's one of these people that he needs to run a game to get like just to get the groove back. Yeah, uh, to have a bit of confidence. Like I thought against uh, midweek against Stoke, I thought first half he was a bit shaky, but second half he was superb, and he just needed he needed to warm into the game. And it, it, with the rotation that's been happening in about four, it's it's always Trucy Con out. Wilmot, no, yeah, Trucy calling it out and Wilmot coming in. It's, yeah. it's always them two that seems to be alternated. Cavaselli was only taken out the other night because it looks like he broke his nose against Wickham and then they rested him for the weekend. But it just looks like it's Ivic is only swapping around Econ and Wilmot at the moment. I probably think that maybe he should maybe start switching around Wilmot and Cathcart. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see the different types of partnerships that could strike up because we could be sitting on another, you know, bloody Abdelai Decore sort of partnership you know we we were reluctant to play him at the start I think he come on as a sub against was it Southampton that season under Mazzari and the rest is history as they say so you know if he switched it up with the centre-back partnerships we could be seeing an unreal centre-back partnership so yeah very very interesting to uh, to say the least um but talking of the actual game itself the first half I've made notes as best as I can not an awful lot happened to be honest Ben um I, I think one thing I did notice is we were very much on the front foot straight away because that's something that we've obviously talked about and it's so noticeable in Watford games this season is that we don't start very quickly and we're too slow out the traps. But I thought yesterday, albeit we lacked cutting edge because we only had one shot on target in the whole of the first half, but I thought yesterday, if a team was looking like scoring, it was us. And I just thought we looked, we looked up for it for once. Um, I thought we had probably 
with most of the possession. I thought Coventry had the, the best chance of the game when they had it ahead of it, went narrowly wide. I thought that was in when it, it went past the, the post. Um, our only real chance came through um, Ismail Sai crossed the low ball into the box inches away from Andre Gray and cleverly uh, fires it over. But they're the only real chances in the first half. I thought Garner was outstanding first half. He had some brilliant little um, intelligent touches around players and he was he was very... Um, he was playing further up the field. We, we said the other week, but we're not too sure if Ivic knows how, where to play him. But I think where he, he played yesterday is where you get the best out of James Garner. Um, yeah, very very intelligent footballer, and he, he looks he looks more comfortable a bit further forward up the pitch. He does. Um, you know, we, we might as well talk about it now. I, I thought yesterday was his best performance in a Watford shirt since he's come on loan. And I, I think, like you've just said, I think it's been hard because Ivic doesn't quite know where to play him or what to do with him. But I thought yesterday he was absolutely superb. Um, like I say, his best performance in a Watford shirt. Another man who stood out for me, um, and sort of if you've listened to our previous episodes, especially from last season, this might shock you a bit what I'm about to say, but I thought Andre Gray looked superb. He looks lively. He got in positions. You know, his positional awareness was fantastic. You know, he created half sort of chances. But I just thought overall yesterday, and obviously his goal as well, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. I, I just thought he, he he's what we've been missing, I think, Ben, is what I'm trying to say. We've missed that, that actual striker that makes those runs, that's in the box when you need them to be. Um, those link-up plays, I thought he held the ball up very well. He looks very fit in terms of, you know... Uh, physical fitness wise I, I don't know if you sort of echo those thoughts but I thought he was absolutely superb yeah it was good to see him back I thought he played really well um, he was stretching the commentary back line which was good to see he yeah. chased a, a ball that looked like it was going out of play and managed to get on the end of it yes. and that made the commentary defender and then it was unfortunate not to uh, pick Sar out in the I thought he should have shot there Ben yeah, I thought he should have gone for the near post as well. Uh, but yeah, really good performance from Gray. I thought he worked his socks off and he thoroughly deserved that goal yesterday. It was unfortunate that he, he couldn't put away that one-on-one, which would have capped off a really good oh, performance for him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. Well, that was in the second half. We might as well touch on the second half because that first half was a bit drab, to be honest. Um, <laughs> so yeah, but the, the second half... It took eight minutes for Andre Gray to score. and Eight minutes into the second half. Not the... Um, Probably one of the most unorthodox goals you'll ever see. Uh, but do you know what, Ben? They all count, and that will do massive, massive wonders for his confidence. Yeah, massively. Um, it's, it's Strikers need goals, don't they? And it doesn't yeah. matter what part of your body it comes off. A goal's a goal, and that'll do massive for his confidence now. But, yeah, it was wonderful build-up play, wasn't it? It was a um, gorgeous yeah. diagonal ball from uh, Mr. Kapu. Um, he yeah. loves a diagonal ball, that one. Um, magnificent touch from Ken Semmer to take it past his man. Beats him with ease, as he does every game, um, and drives into a box and provides his fifth assist of the season. And Yeah, it took a little nick off the defender to then to take a ricochet off Andre Gray. It doesn't really matter. Really, really pleased for Andre Gray to get that goal. Yeah, well, one... One player you mentioned there, Ken Semmer, we have had a question in for him, but I just want to say, with Kapu now, I find myself shouting, Diag, Diag, at the TV <laughs> whenever he's got the ball now. doesn't matter if he's if he's in our 18-yard uh, box or whether he's in on the edge of their 18-yard box. I, I, I find myself shouting it now. It's just 
natural. And I'm surprised more teams haven't picked up on it because maybe they have and they just can't stop the, stop it or, or what. But it's it's every game now and it's brilliant to see. But talking to Ken Summer, we have had a question from um, Luke Bird 3 on Twitter. Um, he asked about King Ken and how he's developed into a key player for us. And Ben, you put a tweet out on our Twitter the other day and you said... As it stands, he's definitely in the running for player of the season so far. I know it's early to say that. We're, what, 11 games in, is it? But he really is. Whether it was that loan spell that did it for him, whether he's too comfortable at this level, I don't know. But whatever it is, I think he's, he's been superb. Can you put your finger on maybe where it's come from? Because we had Ken Semmer obviously play for us in the Premier League under Javi Garcia uh, uh, sort of a handful of times. And he didn't look this good. Yeah, I think he, he just needed a run of games. He's still relatively young as well. He's, he's still got his prime to come into. He's only 27 years of age, so he's got plenty of years ahead of him. So, uh, yeah, I, I thought a really good signing for us um, from Ossestad, is it, in Sweden? Um, it was. He, he struggled to get into a Watford side at first. I think I touched upon last week, but I don't think he really hit the floor running in the Premier League, in and out of the side, cameo substitution appearances. But that line spell at Indonesia last season, it just worked wonders for him and it's given him so much confidence and he was playing the same role as what he's doing in his Watford side. He was playing left wing back last year for a struggling Indonesia side in Serie B, uh, Serie A, but eventually stayed up. I think they stayed up with like five games to go at the end of the season. But yeah, yeah he's been Watford's um, player of the season. He's Mr. Consistent. Um, five yeah. assists in 11 league games is a great return. And I, I'll tell you what, we, we've said about what Watford's best business of a transfer window is. It's keeping hold of Ken Semmer. You wouldn't have thought it if, if, if we were sitting there, that podcast that we did about the opening sort of game of the season and when we talked about transfers in and out, we wouldn't have sat there and thought, you know what, keeping Ken Semmer is actually probably the best bit of business, but 11 no games in, no one would have said it, exactly. 11 games in, it's 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 superb bit of business. Um, you know, I, I think that loan spell at Udinese has done in the absolute world of good, because like you say, you know, he's, he's vastly becoming a, a fan's favourite. Um, my sister absolutely loves him um, from, from last well, season. I always used- I always used to laugh, didn't I? I was like, yeah. why, why, why is he a massive fan of Ken Semmer? Because <laughs> when we was in the Prem, he didn't really do much. It exactly. Like, why do you like someone who's just coming off a bench for 20 minutes? He's not really, he's not, didn't do much apart from that. And Bournemouth away game where he, he scored and got an assist. I thought he was brilliant in that game. But apart from that, I didn't think he, he did much. But yeah, hands up. And yeah, yeah he, he's, well, turned, he's turned his what for career around, hasn't he? And your sister know best. Yeah, well, a Nigel Farage meme would be brilliant here, where he's saying, now he's laughing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I think... Well, as, Ke- as Kemp Semmer said the other day, saying Watford's back, he's back. He is, yeah. He's looked absolutely superb. Um, so, yeah, th- I, I think that's that's as, as much praise as uh, as we've got for him. We could probably go on and on about Ken Semmer. Uh, if we do a... A podcast dedicated to him. I'll be sure to get my sister on him. I'm sure we'll uh, we'll just put our feet up and let her speak. Um, but yeah, um, talking of the, the the game again now. Just one question I want to ask you: the after the goal, um, the next big talking point I think after the goal was uh, Ostergaard. I believe I've pronounced that correctly for Coventry. Brought down yeah. Saar when he looked one on one. 
do you think that should have been a red or do you think a yellow was fair because maybe there was other players that would have caught up with, well, not caught up with Sar because he's lightning quick, but in terms of positional wise, from a referee's point of view, do you, do you think a yellow was, was too soft or do you think he should have, uh, you think he should have walked or? I think a yellow card was fair for that, to be fair. Um, I think he was a bit too far away from the goal with pretty defenders that could probably get back in time as well. Uh, yeah. I would have loved the red card. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, it would have <laughs> yeah. it would have would have been harsh on the lad if he got a red there. Yeah, yeah, and I think the the the, the flight of the well, not the flight of the ball, the, the sort of it was going away from the ball. goal as well, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was going away from goal. So I think it was very very soft. But I just wanted to see what your opinion was because there's a few Watford fans on Twitter. Um, that seemed to think that should have been a red, but glad we put that one to bed. Uh, another player that got booked yesterday, Ben, was Kiko. Now, you talked about him at the start in terms of how surprised you were to see him starting. He looked a little bit shaky defensively yesterday. Um, I, I think that's just a sign of fatigue, I think. He's, how many games has he? He's played the last, what, four or five games, maybe? Maybe even more. Uh, yeah. I don't think he's had a rest, the poor lad, but he's been absolutely superb for us. And I just think yesterday was probably a bit a stretch too far. Um, yeah. So I, I was very surprised to see him in the starting eleven. But I'm glad that uh, Ngaki had come on in the end, um, and he was the first sub that come on around the 60 odd minute mark, um, just after the minute of madness, which we'll get onto in a little bit. But yeah, it was, yeah. It was a, a game too far, wasn't it, for Kiko? I think it was, yeah. there's so many games coming thick and fast, and maybe he, he needed to come out of the team yesterday. I didn't think it was the best of games for him. Um, I no. thought the commentary was getting a lot of joy down our right-hand side, and they was whipping in a lot of crosses, and Kiko should have maybe got a bit closer to try and stop the crosses. But I thought once Ngakia came on, stopped the supply straight away down, commentary, uh, down our right-hand side, and I thought he slotted in brilliantly, and that's what you need, a great impact from the bench from Ngathia. Yeah, you know, when when we did that podcast last week, um, well, was it, yeah, last week when we talked about the Barnsley defeat with uh, James from the Watford Way, we obviously said our best 11s or our preferred 11s once everyone's fit. And we had a few people sort of say, what about Ngakia? And, you know, my brother said to me, what, what about Ngakia? But I just think the way that Kiko's playing at the moment, don't get me wrong, it wasn't long ago that we were singing Ngakia's praises. He, he, I think he had the best um, tackle conversion in the league or something like yeah. that. I, I think we put a tweet out. Um, but I think Kiko's come in and he said, well, hang on a minute, I'm, I'm not just going to be a bit part player here. I'm not just going to watch from the bench. I, I, I want to be in this squad. And I think he's put a good enough claim in. As we've just said, I think it was a stretch too far to, to put him in for this game. Uh, the international break will do him wonders because he doesn't play international football, give him the rest that he needs and get him chomping at the bit again for, uh, for QPR after the international break. But uh, yeah, I, I just wanted to touch on that. I, I think he was a little bit shaky yesterday, but we can let him off because he's been... Um, in, in performances, in games where we've perhaps not been our best, he's uh, he's definitely been the shining light in those uh, games, I think. Yeah, he was one of the, the star performers last month. He was up there with Foster, Semmer and, um, yeah, Foster, Semmer and Kiko last, uh, last, last month. They was the three yeah. best players. Yeah, yeah, no, completely agree. Uh, a player you've just mentioned there, Ben, Ben Foster. Uh, we had a, there was a crazy oh, couple of minutes, <laughs> a crazy couple of minutes. Uh, in true Watford fashion, bearing in mind, ladies and gents, I probably should have mentioned this right at the start. This game yesterday was the best home record in the division 
versus the worst away uh, record in the division. Coventry City had only picked up one point on their on the road this season, coming into this game, and Watford had picked up 13 points from five games. Um, the best in the country, uh, I want to add as well, I believe. Uh, it, it bettered Liverpool's, but Liverpool have played a one home game less than us. So, can you count it? Probably. Um, but yeah, um, I'm not really sure. I think it was Kiko, actually, that got booked to give away the, the foul that sort of opened this up to start with, Ben. I, I might be wrong there, but it's sort of, it's a free kick, which sort of gets dealt with half, halfly gets dealt with. Um, it's sort of bobbing around in the, in the air in the box. James Garner, I believe, heads it out. Then we clear it out again. And then... Hamer, who he looked like he was the smallest bloke, bloke on the pitch, <laughs> he's just ran in from nowhere, just absolutely welled it with his head from 25 yards out. Foster's bloody in halfway to bloody Hemel Hempstead, he's that far off his line, and he gets caught out. And this 25 yard header just glances over Foster and it, it goes in. Now, I don't know if this is me being a bit harsh, you know, being a former goalkeeper myself, I don't know whether I'm sort of overanalyzing this or, or what, but I think Foster should have done better there, Ben, because it wasn't as if it was a great height. I, I, I don't know if I'm being too harsh there, Ben, you can have your say on it now, but I think Foster should have, should have done a lot better on that. It was such a poor goal to concede. I, I watched it back this morning and we had three or four attempts to try and head that clear. And it, yeah. it was just weak, weak clearances from our defenders and midfielders. And how on earth does someone score a 25-yard header? Yeah. <laughs> it, it shouldn't happen. Uh, you've got to do a lot better there. And you've got to point fingers at Foster's positioning there. Um, yes, Foster's been great this season, but... I think the last few games, is actually there's been a few errors in his game, and we've been lucky that they've not actually ended up costing us. Um, <laughs> I, but what I will say about that goal is, I reckon there's probably a cracking view of it on Ben Foster's Go, GoPro. Yeah, oh yeah, I'm, it's going to be an interesting one to see because um, the the floor. He was of the in ball, nose man lands, weren't he? He was. he was. I don't know where he was going. Um, like I say, he was halfway to Hemel Hempstead, Ben. It was too far off his line, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, way too far off his line. And like you said, it's like the first half. Listen, I don't want to sit here and slag Ben Foster off because he's been absolutely nah, superb. But he, there has been a couple of times where maybe his decision-making and, and stuff like that has sort of let us down a little bit. Am I being too harsh? I don't know. Uh, the verdict is with you guys. No, I don't, I, I don't think you're being harsh. Look, there's this... In my head, there's like four or five areas that he's made that's maybe ended up going into a goal this season. But I'm not going to be like naming what what the areas have been because he has been absolutely fantastic. And look at that Blackburn game for starters. If it weren't for him being in goal that game, we would have ended up losing that game. And we wouldn't have been sitting pretty in second in the league right now. Um, So, yeah, he's been brilliant. And hopefully it's just a little blip that Ben Foster's going through. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully. Um, but, you know, the, the the bloke just oozes confidence. You know, you, you, I, th- I watch his GoPro videos and at the end of the game, whether we've won, drawn or lost, he's still the same character. He never looks downbeat. Yes, you can always hearing him, you know, watching Hive Live yesterday. He's the voice that you can always hear. He, he's, he's just brilliant. He, he's a seasoned pro and he's absolutely superb. Um, and then... <laughs> After they scored that, you're thinking, okay, 1-1, one, one, you know, let's not panic here. Uh, and then Watford give us something to panic yeah. about. And I actually Settle think... Settle yourself, lads. Yeah, exactly. I actually think it's a, a little bit of a carbon copy of the goal that equalised for Stoke on 
uh, Wednesday night. Now, the I'm ball gets played that. wrong, and BMU, who's an absolute brute of a player, by the way, I, I watched this guy tear it up um, at Meadow Lane against Notts County in the playoffs a couple of seasons ago. And listen, I know Notts County is a different proposition to Watford, but this guy is a brute. So they clear the ball up upfield. They, they kick the ball upfield. BMU sort of tries to control it, but miscontrols it. A bit like Vokes did, or whoever it was that flicked it down for Nick Powell on Wednesday night. And then Tyler Walker's just come out of nowhere, and he's just wellied it into the same corner, funnily enough, that Nick Powell did. I I don't know if it's just me thinking this, but I genuinely, it looks like a carbon copy of the goal that we conceded. Now, we just spoke about our great Ben Foster is, and I don't want to slag him off, but replays would show, could Ben Foster, again, am I being too harsh, Ben, but... Could Ben Foster have done better on that? Because it's gone straight under him. He's not got down quick enough in my eyes. Yeah, I think he was a bit too slow to react and didn't get down fast enough. But yeah, absolutely identical to the goal we conceded from um, Stoke midweek. And you'd think you'd watch clips back, wouldn't you, after the game and you try and iron out the mistakes that you have happened. And the same goals happened twice in the space of four days. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, it was a fantastic finish from Kyle Walker. But you, you can't, you can't uh, fault him for that. It was Walker, Tyler, Tyler yeah. Walker. Then, um, yeah, fantastic finish from him. But yeah, you got to do so much better there. It was a long ball over the top. I think Truce Econ was slightly caught out. He wasn't expecting it, and look, it was in the back of the net like a couple of seconds later. But look, we went. It, it didn't take long to get us back into the game, did it? It didn't. Uh, two minutes, to be to be exact. Like the craziest, like three minutes of football. The last time I saw a game of football like that was probably Goodison Park, uh, when we I think we drew two two. They scored in the last minute. Thanks, Cabba. Um, but like there was a two minute madness. There was I think Ben Foster saved the penalty, and then we went up the other end, um, and and pretty much took the lead. So I've not seen a game of football like that. But when it was two one. As a Watford fan, I automatically feared the worst. I thought, please do not lose to Coventry. Do not give them their first away points of the season. That is what Watford will do. Uh, but as you say, Ben, luckily, that wasn't the case. Two minutes after, 66 minutes on the clock, James Garner, brilliant corner. Um, first time we've scored from a corner since the first game of the season. Um, and... Truce to Kong, Ross is the highest absolute bullet header. Goalkeeper could do nothing about it. Brilliant corner, brilliant header. I think we're going to see a lot of set pieces, uh, a lot of goals from set pieces, I should say, this season, especially with the likes of Cathcart and Truce to Kong on the pitch because they, they, they've got a, a bloody good rocket header on them. And we've got a guy that can take corners this time, James Garner. Yeah, I thought his set pieces were good yesterday. I thought first half we didn't have anyone getting on the end of them. Uh, but finally we scored a, a corner. I think that's maybe our yeah. second one this season. I think we scored a short corner, didn't we, against Middlesbrough yes. um, where we played it short and Semmer crossed it in and Cathcart scored. But yeah, it was good to actually see us score from a direct corner. Um, powerful header from Truce Econ. Um, defenders and Kiefer had no chance. But I, I love the mentality of um, Truce Econ. Like, 60 seconds ago, we conceded up the other end. He was maybe to fault. Uh, he could have done a lot better to stop Coventry from scoring, but he had so many. What I loved about it was he, he didn't celebrate. He completely yeah. he just picked himself up, ran up to the other end of the pitch, got back into position, and we restarted to try and get the winner. And I just loved that about him. Yeah, you can see how he's been a captain of his national side. You can see those leadership qualities in him. And we, you, you spoke about this before in a previous podcast 
he he just looks like a natural born leader to me and if he sticks around with us long enough I can only see the captain armband going in one place and that's his direction but yeah I did like that about him he scored the goal got up you know I think he high-fived cleverly but he was straight back he was like right we've got to go and push on and get the win that's what I love about the mentality of Watford at the moment yet we we did it against Stoke we've done it this time round against Coventry um the next big thing to happen in the game before the winning goal was uh, a certain Mr. Troy Deeney made his 400th appearance uh, coming off the bench to replace Andre Gray in the 74th minute. Now, people will probably say, yeah, you would say this because you love Troy Deeney, but <laughs> how good did he look, by the way? I, I, I don't mean that way. I mean, like physically, rumours are he's lost a stone, but he just looks brilliant. Like, he was on from the 74th minute, so he got 16 minutes, give or take, you know, not added on the um, injury time, but 16 minutes to sort of do his thing. And I just thought he looked like the Troy Deeney. This is going to sound ridiculous, but I, I don't care. I'm going to say he looks like glimpses of that Troy Deeney of old. Like he looks lighter, for one. Um, and he just gets about the pitch. Like in those 16 minutes, I thought he was brilliant, man. Yeah, well, I, I saw a few people on Twitter yesterday, the same people who uh, slagged him off, saying he's not good enough, praising him yesterday. Yeah, uh, it's quite way. funny how things, how things turn around very quickly and everyone forgets what they've said in the past. Um, but yeah, um, Troy Deeney, 400th Watford appearances, appearances. In that time, he's got 133 goals for the club, which is a fantastic return, isn't it? Uh, but yeah, yeah, I thought he did very well when he came on yesterday. Held the ball up well. Thought his fitness could be an issue, but it wasn't. He, Mate, he outran really one of these Coventry defenders. I haven't seen yeah, Troy, he, Deen, Troy Deeney do that for years. He looked like he was a, a, a running ball at one stage. Uh, <laughs> did you see when he took out the Coventry player as well? Yes, yes. I did like that. <laughs> Absolutely yeah. loved it as well. It was like Troy Deeney of old, like you say. But yeah, very sharp on the pitch. Lots of neat touches. I thought physically, that's probably the best he's looked for years. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. And listen, if he keeps that up, I think after the international break, don't be surprised to see him start in one of the games, I think, especially with squad rotation. And because of how good he looks at the moment, and I know I might be getting ahead of myself, but he will score goals if you give him a run in this team, especially with how he looks. Um, very surprised he didn't take the penalty, but we'll get onto that issue in a little bit. Um well, we'll get onto that issue now, I suppose. 83 minutes on the clock and ball's bubbling around in the area and it comes to Star on the edge. I think there were slight appeals for maybe a penalty in the, the build-up to this penalty, but uh, I didn't see anything. There, there were some appeals, but I don't know what for. comes to Star on the edge of the area. Um, Star takes a shot. I don't know why he's taking a shot from there, but because um, he had better options, in my opinion. Callum O'Hare jumps in and why, I don't know why he does it. I mean, I don't care because he's given us a penalty, but it racks my brain why footballers jump in with their arms up, especially in the penalty area. And Coventry City, again, like they did last uh, last week against Forest or in the week against Forest, in the 96th minute against Forest, uh, give away a penalty. And you saw, I, I, I had a quick look on the Coventry, uh, Coventry City comments to the graphic that they put out saying they'd lost. And every comment was like, can we stop giving away penalties? Can we stop giving away penalties? So, you know, I haven't done my research on how many they've given away, but that would say that they give away quite a few. But why the young lad has jumped in like that with his arms up, I don't know. But who cares? But Ben... 
obviously we didn't know this um, before, but Troy Deeney just come on the pitch. It's his 400th, 400th appearance for the club. He's on 133 goals. You Surely you're thinking Troy Deeney's going to take that penalty. But um, Israel Asar stepped up. Wait, was you surprised at that or...? Uh, initially, yes, uh, you'd think Troy Deeney would uh, take the penalty. He's normally the t- penalty taker for Watford. He just entered the pitch. Uh, you'd think that he'll take this responsibility. But after seeing the pre-match comments from Ivic, Ivic just came out and said that before the game, he, he picked who he wanted to be the penalty taker. Mm-hmm. At that point, he didn't know Troy Deeney was going to be on the pitch. Uh, so he was going to stick with his penalty taker and that was his Marisar. And I don't know about you, but when Saw stepped up to say that um, penalty, that, ner- that run-up made me nervous. Yeah, mate. <laughs> or or I, lack of, lack of run-up. I was, um, yeah, not not happy watching that. Like I was watching it through my fingers and I was like, oh, God, please score this. Uh, but thankfully like he did. Mirrors of Pogba, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> another player who does that, Lyle Taylor. He, he has a long run-up, but he just walks up. Um, he, as, as cold as ice, Kyle Taylor is when it. Uh, well, he actually did that against Coventry last week. He scored in the ninety-third minute to beat them, didn't he? He did indeed. Um, so yeah, Coventry will obviously be gutted because that was seven minutes from the end. But yeah, as, as cool as you like, sent the keeper the wrong way, slotted it in the goal, third goal of the season for Saar, and I just think that will help his confidence. He'll grow each game. He'll grow in confidence, um, and. Even more so when we play him in the right bloody position. Uh, but I think that we have to see a left back come through the door before we see Saar. But it's so obvious that he, he he's just that natural to play out wide because you're watching him in the game sometimes and the, the space between Saar and Gray was was huge. Like Saar automatically drifts out to the wide because uh, that's where he plays. But hopefully, as as the season goes on, we will see him go back to his natural like, out wide position. But I think he's been absolutely superb so far this season, Ben. It's it's taken him a while to get into the groove of things, but now he's got three goals. I just think there's no stopping him from here. Um, I don't know. I, I I can't see him being rested for any of the games, even the midweek games. You know, I, I'd be surprised to see him rested. Uh, but yeah, another another good game for Sar yesterday. I thought thought he was uh, absolutely brilliant. But um. One thing I do want to touch on. We've talked about the attacking side briefly. It was another home game where we've scored three, which is great because we're scoring more than one. Uh, but it was also another game where we conceded two. Now, I, and I don't think anyone was expecting Ivic to bring his defensive record of 10 goals conceded the whole season over to England because it just doesn't work like that. But are you maybe getting a bit worried about the defence? Because at the start, yes, we were winning 1-0 and people were complaining at the lack of creativity, but we weren't conceding goals. I don't know where Ben Foster stands in the clean sheet table anymore. I know we would have been very high at one stage, but are you maybe a little bit worried about how we're looking at the back? Or I, I don't know, does the out attacking option maybe outweigh it for you? What, what are your thoughts on us conceding the, the, the amount that we are at the moment at the moment it only seems like one thing well two things it's either you win one nil people moan about not attacking yeah. or you win three two and people moan about the defending <laughs> yeah um, it's, we need to obviously find the happy medium don't we we need to find the way of scoring two three goals a game and keeping the clean sheets but until then I'm not going to 
worry too much. I think we've got enough going forward in the team to outscore uh, oppositions at the moment. It's just maybe when we play the teams like Norwich, um, Brentford, that's when you need to show up your defence. And I think we've still got a few weeks until we actually play those teams. So I'm not really worried at the moment about it. Well, something you mentioned there, Ben, about you, you, you believe that we're looking like we can outscore teams now. On the flip side of that, are we now starting to see the attacking positions click? You know, I, I, for those that didn't listen, I, I went onto the Second Tier podcast uh, a few weeks ago and I, I said to them, I said, once we click, a team's going to take an absolute hammering from us. Uh, and I still stand by that. Are, are we perhaps starting to see attacking-wise, things maybe starting to fall into positions, do you think, Ben? Or? Yeah, no, there's signs of it, isn't there? I think there's the players' relationships are building up. People kind of knowing how Ivic wants to play and they're getting the understanding of it and people linking up well. Um, like Kiko and Saar link up really well. Um, Semmer's always finding Kapoor's diagonal balls. So there's little... Um, there's things that are pick, we're picking up on now which are, we're improving on. Um, and then you've got the likes of players coming back from injuries as well, which is going to help. Absolutely. Absolutely indeed. So, yeah, a, a great day at the office yesterday for Watford FC. Another home win. Uh, continues our unbeaten home record at the moment. The only unbeaten home record in the division, I believe, if uh, if my research has, has done me correctly there. Uh, in terms of the game as a whole, Ben, when you look back on it, who was your man of the match yesterday? It has to be Ken Semmer again. He's not putting the foot wrong. I think he's so consistent. And I think he was miles better than everyone else on the pitch. Um, I know Saar had a uh, first half. He was all right. And I've said that against Stoke last week as well. He was okay first half. But second half, he was better. But Ken Semmer was brilliant from the first whistle to the final whistle. Yeah. But he was outstanding. And you can't fault his performances. Um, absolutely um, superb. Yeah, yeah. We I, I, now I do try and mix it up a little bit. I, I try and have a little bit of a difference of opinion, but it's hard to argue Ken Semmer as man of the match yesterday. I just thought, as you say, he was superb from the first whistle to the end of the whistle, and he's not been my man of the match for the, the, well. This isn't the first time he's been my man of the match, uh, other than Kiko. But as I says, Kiko, I think yesterday the 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 run of games that he's been on had, had got to him a little bit. But yeah, um, Ken Semmer, I think was was man of the match yesterday, uh, in in my eyes as well. And I'm sure I echo me and you echo the thoughts of many many Watford fans out there. Um, so now, unfortunately, we've we've got an international break. Um, they're always boring because uh, Gareth Southgate's made England's into the most boring football team in the world. Uh, and I watched <laughs> us. I watched us under Eddie Boothroyd. Um But international break now. We we sort of touched on this in the YouTube live that we did last week. Ben coming coming off the back of these two victories, momentum seems to be you know going quite well at the moment. We're up to second in the league. Has it come at a good time or a bad time? I think it's came at a good time. I think the international break has came at the right time. I think players can rest up after a big week. Um, two massive games where we had to dig deep to try and get results. And I think that might have taken it out of the players if we played again, say, midweek. Um, so, yeah, I think it's perfect time for them to rest up. And it's a great chance to try and get some more players back fit as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, as you've said, it gives, you know, Will Hughes time to get fit. You've got Kiko, gives him a breather as well. Uh, Saar as well, you know, although he's a young, energetic 
fella, you know, he'll need to recharge his batteries. I don't know I mean, what the situation is. Is he playing? I think he could be playing if he got Barnaby, right. yeah. That's that Senegal. Yeah, yeah. So possibly not recharge his batteries. Um, gives Troy Deeney, um, you know, time to, if he needs time, I don't know if if he's still carrying a little bit of a niggle. I don't know. Uh, Andre Gray as well. Uh, it, probably disappointing for Andre Gray, actually, because he's come in yesterday yeah. and done a superb job. Uh, so he'll want to get back out there as soon as and, and sort of hit the ground running again. But I think it will give certain players a, a breather. Um, I'd be very surprised to see Craig Cathcart start after um, the international break because he's got two huge games coming up for, for Northern Ireland, as we discussed. But uh, yeah, international break. Then we're back on the 21st of... Um, what month? November. <laughs> Forgot what month it was then. That's what lockdown's doing to me. Uh, 21st of November, we're at Loftus Road uh, against QPR. And then we are away to Bristol City as well, which will be a big, big game because Bristol have been up there. They've they've not maintained the great record that they had at the start of the season, but they're, they're, they're certainly pulling off results. Um, so that'll be an interesting one. That's live on Sky as well. Uh, but yeah, next Saturday we've... Um, we will be well. Not next Saturday. The the next podcast that we'll be doing, uh, we have got a guest. We'll uh, we'll keep it secret for now. We'll just tease you guys a little bit more, uh, and uh, more will be released closer to the podcast release itself. So uh, you'll start to see, hopefully, if uh, all things go smoothly for me and Ben, uh, a few guests coming onto the podcast now that we've uh, hit that magic one thousand mark on Twitter. Um, but Ben, be- before we we sign off and let these lovely people that have listened to enjoy the rest of their day um one thing i do want to mention is nigel pearson was on Talksport and he had his say on how things ended with us um now it sounds quite disappointing with what he said um in in terms of how it was ended from memory i believe what he said is the reason he found out he was sacked was he turned to training and security wouldn't let him in now i thought Nigel Pearson, we've spoke at length about this on previous podcasts, but I think the job that he did when he came in was absolutely superb. Yes, it went stale towards the end for whatever reason, but I think hearing his account of things and his side of things, I'm very, very disappointed in the way that Scott Duxbury and the Genos actually composed themselves in in terms of the sacking of Nigel Pearson. What what are your thoughts after hearing his words, Ben? Yeah, if everything's it's true that Nigel Pearson is saying I'm quite ashamed. Uh, I think it's very disrespectful for him to turn up to the training ground, not to be let in by the security guard um, and find out that way he's been sat is really poor. Um, I, I don't know how it's all done nowadays, but you would fully expect to be sat face to face. I think it's very poor. Um, like we've said before, we were dead and buried before Nigel Pearson Um was appointed and he turned it round for us and actually gave us a fight and chance to stay up and gave us a, a chance to believe and he gave us that massive performance that we had against Liverpool at home and we completely played them off the park and yeah. Liverpool went on to uh, win the league and that outstanding performance. I know it went a little bit sour towards the end of the season, but show a bit of respect. Mm. 
Yeah, exactly. You know, he's just a, a few taglines of what he said here. He said, there was nothing verbalised to me about any reason. Uh, he's also gone on to say that I spoke to Filippo Giraldi and he couldn't give me answers. Uh, I think a few Watford fans wouldn't be surprised with that, considering Giraldi's, uh, Giraldi's doings last season. But we'll, uh, we'll, <laughs> the less said about that, the better. Uh, and then he's finished by saying, when you look at the... Um, the, the word the terse wording of the club statement it tells you everything so he's quite rightly hacked off I think he's probably the best way of saying it without swearing uh, 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 how the club have handled it and just when when you hear things from Nigel Pearson's side especially with the way that Scott Duxbury was talking about it at the at our place event um, he said we did everything within the, the the best interest of the club and you sort of think okay we can sort of let him off a little bit but then you hear Nigel Pearson come out and tell you what actually happened it, it, it does it does worry you a little bit you know uh, but as you say Ben Nigel Pearson give us absolutely brilliant memories he give us a fighting chance give us a brilliant home win to end Liverpool's unbeaten records uh, beat Man U at home um, and you know he, he just give us performances which which were absolutely brilliant and unfortunately did go stale and you know, it's it's all ifs and buts. You know, if he was there the last two games of the season, would we have stayed up? Personally, I don't think so. But he, listen, we, we can't speculate too much on that. But yeah, um, also, you know, it's glad to hear he's on the mend a little bit now because it sounds like he had a bit of a whirlwind after leaving us. I believe he, um, he contracted COVID uh, in March as well. So he's, he's recovered from that. Um, so yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad he's on the mend and hopefully it's not long before we see him back in management. Um, but yeah, no, that about sums it up for us. You know, obviously we, we won't be back next week because it's an international break. We'll, uh, we'll give your ears a, a rest um, after listening to uh, my dulcet Brummy accent for the majority of this podcast. But yeah, we'll be back um, to talk about the QPR game. And we'll be speaking to hopefully a Bristol City fan about the game uh, on the Wednesday, I believe it is after that. But as always, from me and Ben, thank you very much for tuning in. Um, don't forget to like and retweet the tweets about this podcast. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, whatever day you're listening to us. Uh, enjoy the rest of the week. And we will be back next week. Thank you very much. Keep the faith. Come on, you horns. Sports Social Podcast Network.